All right, um, uh, PJ hasn't been here for a while. Um, so, so it's to, um, what, how do you say, it's to introduce to some, and to, I can't remember the other one. But uh, Pastor Godman is the lead pastor of all the Elevation churches. <laughs> and he's our father, and he's the, what else? Um, I'm not finished introducing you. <laughs> but he's someone we really love. Uh, he's the reason why um, he, he, he backs us with a lot of prayers, um, all sorts of things, warnings, encouragement. Um, but it's, it's, this is his vision, and the vision God put in his heart. And I'd like us to celebrate our father and our pastor this evening. Please, you may have your seat. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here. And Pastor Idris has a way of um, uh, trying to, you know, make me feel old anytime I come around here. Can you imagine what uh, uh, <laughs> the two of them with Tolu, what they said when I came out of my car outside? Uh, they said, PG is wearing his, his youth shirt. <laughs> and I was like, this is my shirt. I wear it, you know. So by implication, they're saying that it's because I'm coming to Life Point. And I went to wear Paisley shirt, you know, that kind of thing. But God has forgiven them. Yeah. Praise God. All right, it's good to be here and it's good to see everyone. Um, I know you have some funny ways by which, um, which, which you do stuff here. Because I can't really see these folks. I don't know why, <laughs> why you put light only on me. Uh, but I've decided to just cope. All right. In our church, we see ourselves. <laughs> One of those things. All right, praise God. I'll tell your neighbor, it's good to see you. Uh, and I guess you're saying that on my behalf. I have um, a lot to say tonight, but I'm, uh, I'm going to try to condense it since I surely should be back next week uh, to speak on exceptional wifey. Uh, what for tonight is about ex exceptional husband. Exceptional husband. It's hmm. a lot to say and um, a lot to examine from the scriptures. And for all of us here who are single tonight, this is your crash course in um, of your preparation for crafting a vision for yourself because it all starts with a vision. Crafting a vision on becoming, you know, the exceptional husband because it starts with what you can see. And for some of us here tonight who are married, it's also a way of steering ourselves a bit uh, to, to come to terms with certain realities of the scripture and certain principles to live by. Let me start out from 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7, a popular scripture, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7. It says, husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Somebody say understanding. Yeah. That's a very key word to our discussion tonight and even for next week. Understanding. It says, husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together 
of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Will you pray with me tonight? Jesus, Son of the living God, we thank you for your presence in this place. Holy Spirit, we honor your presence and we ask that you send grace that will make the preaching and the teaching of your word easy. Give us uh, nimbleness of mind, agility of spirit, that we will be able to grasp your word and that it will find a resting place in our heart. That we will not be hearers only. We ask also for the grace to do that our lives may get better, that your will may be done in our lives. We thank you for an exceptional flow of your spirit tonight in Jesus' name. Say, believe in amen. So, starting from this scripture, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to flow. I just love to flow, you know, when I come here. But let's start out from this scripture. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them. With your wives, with understanding. I said understanding then becomes a very key word in our discussion for tonight and uh, next week. It says, giving honor to the wife, you would think that why will God tell men to honor their wives? I thought it was the men that should be deserving of honor. Being the leader in the home, being the male figure. In some cases, I mean, being the Lord and Master, like I was saying at the Elevation Church on Sunday, some men are like, you know, African men, as in the way we call ourselves, but like village chiefs. And we still have that village chief mentality, the way we walk around our house, the way we, and the way some of us also grew up as men. Uh, what we saw at home was that when daddy comes, Everybody is to your tent, O Israel. Everybody runs for cover, you know, all those kind of things. They are, the place has to be quiet. And then when daddy is eating, all attention is on daddy. You bring everything on the table. Yeah. Maybe for some of us, uh, it may not be like that, uh, um, especially if your parents were a little bit younger than, for instance, my own parents. Yeah. My dad passed in 2010, and it was, I think it was 82 when he passed. You know, so... You, you know that generation. Uh, for those of us who have our parents who are maybe in their early 60s, uh, so about, that's another generation. And a lot of things have improved by that time. So you may not see some of the things I saw. I mean, for instance, I, my, my, my dad was a Muslim. So like this, um, all these, you know, Muslim things or fasting period, you think is an idol that we're worshiping. The way they will bring everything, as in, it's more than three cost meal, like ten cost meal. They put everything, all attention, you know, on him, you know, and all that. And that's, that's how some of us grew up. Some of us grew up, like I said, slightly different. But the thing is that there's something that has been put in our, in our head about the alpha male, who is Lord and Master, and who is supposed to take charge. Especially also when he is now the 100% breadwinner. It's a bad case. Yeah. Then it becomes like an idol that should be worshipped. And I'm speaking, you know, taking to cognizance the fact that I have men here tonight who are already husbands and the ones who are going to become husbands, 
And some of these things are around our minds. Some of us lived with our uncles. We saw stuff. Lived with our dad. We saw stuff. But the Bible says here that the scriptural perspective to this discourse is slightly different. That husbands are all supposed to give honor to their wives as to the weaker vessel. Not a weak vessel, but weaker. That's another thing to note. Because some of us think that women are weak. No. It's comparative. It's not a stigma. It's not a status. It's comparative. So, and it speaks to the physical and the emotional part of the woman. The way God created us men, just with the frame. I'm not a good representation of that, and I know. Yeah. Just looking at the frame, you know, if you can't make fun of yourself about certain things, you don't have a good self-esteem. That's the truth. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, uh, that I, do, I just don't want to embarrass anybody. If I call some men here, you see, you know, with that frame, when you stand beside a woman, it's already showing that she's a weaker vessel because she has a weaker frame. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. If a man should give a woman blow, blow, you know, real blow. She doesn't need more than one. She would know that God is still alive. <laughs> but what we, tell, what we tell such men is that, that if you really want to throw punches, what we call blow around here, if you want to throw punches, there's a right place to go. Surulere, National Stadium. You will meet your type there. Some of them just came back from the Olympics. You try them out. Don't, don't try it at home. Go and try it there. They give you some necessary jobs. You come back. You also will know that God is still alive and well. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a wrong application of forces when you use that at home. So the Bible says here that we should reckon with women, not as a weak vessel, but as a weaker vessel, comparative to the male man, I mean, the, 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 the alpha man, the, 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 the man. It's physical, and it's also emotional. Women are known to be more emotional than men, especially in the expression of it. So at least in those two areas. But you know the truth? Because when you look at it from that Comparison, you also see that the fact that the man is stronger physically and stronger emotionally then tend to make them weaker spiritually because then they're less dependent on God. Because the woman is weaker physically and weaker emotionally, their case is always like the case of the psalmist, David. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than high. So women tend to be more prayerful than men. Yeah, I hope you're following me. Yeah, because they, 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 they come to an end in themselves very quickly. We men, we don't come to an end in ourselves very quickly. Because we still think it's by power or by might. Mazu. You know, we try everything before we remember God. Are you still with me today? And because men are also very rational, we tend to rationalize a lot of things. It's easy for a woman to see a spiritual angle to an issue than for a man. Yeah, just 
Just the same way it's easy for a woman to see the emotional angle to an issue than a man. So I'm saying all this for you to understand that we're different and we have, di we have different needs. But much more than that is that the word honor is also extremely befitting for a woman. It, it has nothing to do with gender because some people feel it's only the man that deserves the honor. You cannot be a good husband, an exceptional husband, if you have that kind of mindset. You have that kind of, I, I remember teaching in church last Sunday also, and I was trying to you know, help our men to understand the principle of submission a little better. These things are important as I lay the foundation for this discussion, especially for us to get the understanding of why or the mindset that undergird exceptionality when it comes to being a, a husband. If you don't get all these things right, you can't be exceptional as a man, I mean as a husband. You will just cope. You'll just be one, just one of the husbands. But if you have this scriptural foundation well laid on your mind, it then becomes easy to follow through. When the Bible was talking about submitting to one another in the fear of God, for instance, some men only remember Ephesians 5.22. Uh, wives, submit to your own husband. Husband, love your wife. So my job is to love you. Yeah. And I choose how I love you. Yeah. A lot of the time it's not about how you want to be loved. It's how I want to love you. But your own job is well cut out. Just submit. And some men feel that submission has no black or white. It's submission. Meanwhile, love is a shade. Yeah, it can, it's a spectrum. You can pick which, whichever way you want to love. But submission is submission. But you know the truth? The scripture actually recommends that we submit to one another. And it says, the way a man submits to his wife is when a man honors his wife. Just like, because he was saying here, if you don't honor your wife, he said, your prayer may be hindered. God said, one of the things that can affect your spiritual life is when you treat a woman anyhow or disdain a woman. When you don't have a vision of how to be exceptional as a man or as a husband, it can affect your spiritual experience. God said, I can shut the door on you, on your prayers. Your prayer can be in that. So it's, ex it's important. That's why I'm spending time with this scripture. It's very important. Anything that can affect your relationship with God is essential that you pay attention to it. Because without him, you can do nothing. That's what the scripture says. Except you just want to deceive yourself. Without God. So if you believe that without him, you can do nothing, Without him, you can't make a headway in life. And it says that if you get it wrong here, this can affect the flow. Then you need to be careful. You need to be careful. So I was saying about submission. One thing that you need to understand is that God has never put rubbish together. There's not one single human being on the face of the heart today that does not have any value. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Because some people come for counseling and say, you know what, Pastor? This woman is useless. 
doesn't, can't do anything for herself. Sometimes the woman saying, this man is so useless, doesn't have a, any brain on his head. He, you know, people, when people are angry, they say all kinds of things. So you just be pleading the blood, you know, underneath. Because there are some things that pastors should not even hear that day. When people are hungry, they say stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, in my training as a counselor, I know that when people are hungry, they want to release stuff. So I'm not bothered by what people say when they're hungry. I just try to calm them down so that they can begin to see that, look, you can't be talking like that, you know, and all that. But you allow them to flow. You know, so when people are flowing in that mode, they just keep talking and say all kind of things. But the, it then portrays that this person that I've married is useless. There's nothing good coming from this person. The truth is that there's always something good about people. It's just your anger that is, you know, covering your mind from seeing the goodness. And this is where I'm going. Mutual submission can only happen when you see the goodness in your wife, you choose to see it, recognize it, and want to maximize it. So, there's always an area of life that either the woman is better or the man is better. Submitting to one another in the fear of God then demands that I recognize that area and I gave my spouse the right of way in that area. Like I was saying the other time, you know, I think it was church on Sunday, my personal physician is a member of the Elevation Church. When I go to a clinic and she wants to maybe test me or do anything, she tells me, Pastor, lie down. The moment I enter the place, I'm submitted to her. I'm a pastor. But she'll say, open your mouth. I'll just do it. And she'll, you, you understand what I'm saying? That's submission. When you enter an aircraft and you're traveling, can you, can you bargain submission with a pilot? Except you have a training. Perhaps that it's at higher level than ease. Because if he gets angry mid-hair and says, I'm not doing it again. <laughs> Since you have decided to just be arguing, arguing, come and take charge of the plane. And he goes to sit down on the last seat. All of you will prostrate. And you'll be begging him in the name of Jesus. Am I saying the truth? When you enter an aircraft, you literally submitted your life to the pilot. Why? He qualifies to fly that plane. It has a training that you don't have. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. So anytime I find an area where my wife is good, I don't bother myself. I submit. It's an area. Yeah. To be an exceptional husband, you need to locate the goodness in your wife. You need to locate you need to acknowledge the gift that God has given them. I think it was uh, is it Philemon chapter 1 and verse number 6 that says that the communication of your faith may be effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is within you. So the communication of your faith only becomes effectual when you acknowledge every good thing that is within you. So you, you, you need to be able to acknowledge the good things that are in your wife to be an exceptional husband 
and be willing to reckon with that and submit to them in that area. Submit to them in that area. And honor them. Is somebody still with me today? I said, are you still here? Very important. Now, there are many needs that a woman has. To be an exceptional husband, you must understand the generic needs of a woman and the particular needs of your wife and commit to meeting them. So there are generic needs and there are particular needs. Marriage is about meeting needs. When God created Adam, God gave Adam the responsibility of naming all the animals. When he finished naming all the animals, at the end of the exercise, the Bible says, but for Adam was not found a suitable helper or companion. A suitable helper or companion. And because of that, what happened? Then God then made the statement that it is not good that man should be alone. And he said, we will make for him a helper that is suitable or comparable to him. Are you still with me? I said, are you still with me? Very important. Extremely important. Uh, Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 18. The Bible says, and the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the hair and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called them, called each living creature, that was its name. And so Adam gave name to all cattle, to all the birds of the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. This presupposes that this exercise of naming animals was actually exercise of finding companions. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Is somebody following me at all? This was not a naming ceremony thing that God just said, Adam, just be naming them. God said, it's not good that man should be alone. So what did he do? He started to create animals. If Adam had found any of them worthy enough as a companion that, can, that could meet his needs, maybe today you and I will be huffing and puffing or we'll have tails or stuff like that. I don't know if, you, if you're getting what I'm saying. Because Adam did not pick any of them. See, by naming them, what Adam was actually doing was to call them names according to perception. I don't know if you're getting me. Yeah. You've never seen, he has never seen a dog before. He looked at one and said, dog. And the thing was barking. And it's dog, dog, dog. And since dog could not meet the need of Adam, Adam did not call dog wife. So that was what happened after Adam named everyone in verse 20. So Adam gave names to all cattle, 
to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam was not found a helper comparable. It was a finding adventure, not a naming ceremony. That was why when it was concluded, they said there was not found for him a helper. So when God says name, I tell people, all this one that, uh, if you're here, you're single, and you, you, you have put all the responsibility on God to find somebody to marry. If Charlie, you're a brother. You're just, you're just a joker because God does not take 100% responsibility for who you marry. God makes presentations. You take a decision. Simple. God brought all these animals and tell Adam, name them. You name anyone wife, is a gunner. That's it. After he named and there was none that he called anything like a helper or companion or wife, then God said, there was still not found. There was not found any that is suitable for him. Then God then reached out, took a rib, and created a woman. Look at that. And the Lord caused this sleeve to come upon him, you know, and all that. Let's jump. Verse 22, then the rib which... God has taken from man, he made into a woman, and brought her again like he brought all the other animals. This time around, verse 23, and Adam said, I love the message translation of it. It started with one word that is very powerful. In message translation, it says, and Adam said, finally. <laughs> Can you see it? Can you see it? And Adam said, finally. Very soon, somebody here will say finally. Uh, why are you giving me a posh amen? See, they are posing. I said, very soon, somebody here will say, finally. In the name of Jesus. Because it got to this point where uh, uh, Adam, he has not seen anything like that. Do you know how many animals he had named? And he didn't say, finally. This time around, he saw this woman, and he said, finally. Do you know that God never told Adam, I brought you a wife? No. It was Adam's decision. God was just making presentations. Made presentation, Adam made a decision. Finally, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman. Because she was taken from me. He was sleeping when she was taken. How come she knew? Was intuitive. When you spend time in God's presence, there are some things that you just know. Yeah, you're able to pick. You're able to understand. You're able to see. Praise God. Which is why I said an exceptional husband is the one that can also put himself in that frame to study, to know, to understand the needs of his wife. Now, you're single. You look around you, you see women. Women have generic needs. How are you coping with that? Will they look at you, will women around you, if you're here, a single man today, will women around you look at you and say, he's a good man. He's very considerate of women. He takes care of women. He speaks well to women. He does this. He does that. Or they just say, ah, that one. See, when, if that's how they, they react to you, it means that you are not on the right lane to exceptionality when you get into marriage. Something has to change. You have to change lane before you get married. 
Because you get into marriage like that, you're going to frustrate somebody. Are you still with me today? Yeah, you're going to frustrate somebody. And it's not going to be a funny thing at all. Yeah. So, let's look at the generic needs of a woman. Generic needs of a woman. Um, Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 16, we'll see a, 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 a verse there that gives us a broad thing about the needs of a woman. To be an exceptional husband, you have to be able to meet needs. I told us that the whole thing about marriage is about companionship, is about meeting needs. Yeah. So you can't be exceptional if you cannot meet needs. And we have to get into marriage thinking that we are in these to meet needs. Acts 20 and verse 35, the B part, it said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20, 35, the B part of it. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That's the mindset with which to enter into marriage. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So I'm here to meet the need of a woman as a man. I get into marriage is to meet the need of a woman. Some of the most frustrating experiences I've had in my marriage, about 13 years now, is when I focus, over-focus on my need. I am frustrated. My wife is frustrated. Because the need is not met, and I'm not ready to do anything, except the need is met, so there's a deadlock. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Because some people think marriage will work if I say, you do this, I do this. If you don't do this, I won't do that. No. That's where we, we, you know, the head booting will start, and there will be serious problems. Marriage is about meeting needs. And I need to develop the capacity to meet needs even when my needs are not met. Are you still with me today? That's why the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. The giver is more blessed than the receiver. Generic, generic needs of women. Genesis 3 and verse number 16. Genesis 3 and verse number 16. Tried, uh, I want to make this as, uh, the discussion to be as scriptural as possible so you have references. Uh, Genesis 3 and verse 16, it says, To the woman, it said, this was after Adam and Eve misbehaved, they yielded to the temptation of the devil, and then God came down, and God started to, you know, uh, deal with them, as it were. So, in, uh, in verse 16 of Genesis 3, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Next week, I'm going to read verse 17. So you see, yeah, but we're not getting there today. So that the exceptional wives can hear what God said to the man too. Because from what God said to uh, um, the woman here, you will see that the Bible says, Our desire shall be for our husband. He shall rule over her. But before then, God focused on how she will bring, bring forth. Focused on the children, you know, and all that. This shows simply that the woman's primary concern is to nurture her family and her husband. Yeah. 
The woman's primary concern is to nurture her family and her husband. That will always be a woman's primary. That's why when work becomes more important than family for a woman, the woman is gradually losing her femininity, losing the original, you know, wiring, if I can put it that way. Does it mean that a woman will not be concerned about livelihood and all that? A woman will. But this will always be more important than to a woman. Family, husband, nurturing the next generation, nurturing. A woman is a good nurturer. I'm bringing that in so that we have some understanding of how God has wired a woman to function. We are in Christ, and some people said, oh, the, uh, what God said in Genesis does not apply to us again. Yeah. Uh, but it's grace that we have received in Christ. It's not that it doesn't apply to us. That's why we still have to push. <laughs> I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Any woman that will give birth naturally will still push. But the woman received grace to push. It will not take our life. So there will be safety in childbirth, you know, and all that. I don't want to get into all that. Maybe for another seminar we'll talk about it. I'm just trying to help somebody be thinking. <laughs> all right. Other basic needs. A woman has a need for a healthy self-esteem. An exceptional husband must not be threatened by his wife's influence or promotion or anything that will give her a strong self-esteem, that will give her a sense of I'm amounting to something. An exceptional husband will not cage the capacity or incapacitate a woman. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. An exceptional husband capacitates a woman, gives the woman wing to fly, and is not threatened by the success of a woman. That's an exceptional husband. Because a woman, generic need, part of generic need is a need for a healthy self-esteem. And a lot of that a woman will have to derive from her husband and her environment. So, so give her some honor. Just like First Peter three seven says, to honor her, uh, uh, place a high value on your wife. Don't condemn or criticize her, especially her feminine, uh, femi feminine qualities. You know when, uh, you know it's common if you're driving around the city of Lagos and um, somebody's driving so slow or cannot make a U-turn properly. So why are you driving like a woman? I'm sure you've heard it before. I'm sure I've said it before. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> Almost certain I've said it before. Maybe many times said. Yeah. Because it's just what we, that's how we grew up. That's what we heard. And you see, when you, when you then talk to your wife like that, it's a bit of, you know, putting her down based on who she is. That's why the Bible says we should dwell with them with understanding as unto a weaker vessel. We should expect, we should cut them some slack. So, 
Don't criticize her feminine tendencies or, you know. A woman has a need for very strong self-esteem. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 20, you know what happened in Genesis chapter 3? We read a bit of it right now, where, I mean, just before now, when we're talking about what God did. Am I taking you too much into scriptures tonight? Is this what you wanted to hear? Are you sure? Okay. Well, you don't have a choice anyway. I'm already here. Yeah. Because I can tell your pastor to take over and I'll just go home. My wife is expecting me. <laughs> but I, I, I just feel like getting into scripture a bit tonight. Genesis chapter 3, we read about the consequences of Adam and Eve's action when they disobeyed God. And all the things that God did, they lost their accommodation, you know, and all that. You know, all that happened. No, you, you know, that was what happened. Like, you chased them out <laughs> of their flats, you know, all that. <laughs> you know, and um, if you think about that, very well. After all that happened, and God told um, Adam, excuse was Eve, and Eve's excuse was the serpent, the Satan, and all that. And God said, you know, you, uh, you give back, you know, pain, do da da da. Adam, you will till the ground, you will, you know, and all that, and then get out of this place, you know, all that. After God left, can you picture? What should go on? What should go on after God left? Come again. A fight. Adam should look at his hand like that. <laughs> and when last this starts, you will sing the hymn. Now I see that star. You will hear the rolling thunder, rolling one. You know, whatever. Ah, we. That see where you have brought us. Now, how will we get another accommodation? <laughs> see, all kinds of things will go on there. The fight will be terrible. That, that's that's the, the natural progression. And that's what happens in our homes. But I wanted to see what happened. Because I took my time to study the scriptures in a bit to see. I, I was actually looking forward to a model for fighting. That whatever Adam did here, maybe it would be okay to replicate it once in a while. I hope you understand what I'm saying. That was the mindset with which I did this study. I wanted to see. So God left. And God left them. Somebody must have slept that night with, you know, black eyes or something, you know. But this was what happened. Genesis chapter 3. And um, the last verse, verse 19, God said the last things to the man. And then in verse 20, the Bible says, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And also for Adam, his wife, Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunics of skin and clothed them and all that. But verse 20 is where I'm going. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. So after all this katakata and everything, Adam now decided to just, what he did was to name the woman. Named her Eve. Adam saw the potentials in her. This is the mother of all the living. 
This is what she's carrying. As at this time, they didn't have any child. But that was what Adam saw. Adam refused to see that gullible woman that followed the serpent, saw our future, saw the vision of God for our life, saw everything that, you know, God has packaged into our destiny and celebrated it. So after everything, all that Adam has to say is, you are Eve, and I recognize that. And I'm going to do all that is possible to make this vision that God has for your life come to pass. I'm not going to push you away. I'm not going to, you know, curse you. I'm not going to, because, see, that incident could have nullified God's original intention, which is two will come together and become one, multiply, replenish the heart, and subdue it, and continue the work of creation by giving birth to. Since God made Adam and Eve, he has never created practically from the ground another human being. It has been from them to us, to us. And that's how it has been going. And to many, many. Praise God. That incident will have has, has the capacity to thwart God's plans so that it won't continue from there. All Adam needs to do is that I can't, I, I called you woman before, but I don't think you are. I think your name should have been Golibulus. Because you are very gullible. Because I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know why it's that small thing that is. You saw the elephant. You didn't listen to the elephant. If it was elephant that told you and you believed, I would have believed. At least it has size. Look at what spoke to you. And I'm trying to be practical. It was the serpent that crawled, that spoke to Eve. And she believed and followed this, the serpent's uh, instruction. Because if it was some of us, the fight would not finish. You call her all sorts of names, all sorts of things, but Adam chose to see. Beyond our mistakes, beyond our heroes, to be an exceptional husband, you need to see beyond behavior. See into the need of the woman. See into what would lead into nurturing her into the fullness of her potentials. Can I add this to it? There are two types of husbands. There are reactive husbands and there are proactive husbands. A reactive husband only look at behavior. A proactive husband look out for desires and needs. So the reactive husband is always looking for bad behavior. He's a referee in his house. He's not a coach. You know what a coach does? The coach looks for skill gaps, looks for the need of the team members, and try to infuse it. The referee only calls foul. So he look, he's looking for transgression. Just only looking for crossing the line. Boom! An exceptional husband... It's more of a coach than a referee. Yeah. You know the truth? Referees don't produce stars. Only coaches do. <laughs> yeah. If you want your wife to turn out well, you have to be a coach and not a referee. Very important. 
Another woman's need is companionship. A woman has a need for companionship. A woman has a need for companionship. So women are designed for communication, for connection. They are relational in nature. They have a tendency to experience you know, boredom or, or isolation. So you must continue to communicate regularly with a woman. And um, like I've been doing, and I take you into scriptures. Proverbs, 18, Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 18. The Bible says, let your fountain be, be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. The word rejoice there is not just, uh, it's like celebrate or fellowship with the wife of your youth. I mean, that's scripture. This one is very exemplary. It's Romans 24 and verse number 5. This, way, this was categorized as one of the miscellaneous laws of the Old Testament. It was a law. It was not a suggestion. Yeah. Look at the law. When a man has taken a new wife, it's a law. It's a miscellaneous law. When a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war or to be charged with any business. He shall be free at home one year and bring happiness to his wife whom he has taken. Now, I agree that this is Old Testament. <laughs> it's not practical in Lagos, Nigeria in 2016. But you must not forget the morale of the, that story, the, 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 the real gist, the substance of it. The substance of it is companionship, is attention. I don't know how they did it in the Old Testament. Maybe everybody in the community brought food to their house to dump for them so that they won't starve. But the, woman, the man was not permitted to go to war. Even if he wanted to, they would not take him because he just took a new wife. The man was not supposed to walk. Just minister to the necessity of the saint. Just, yeah. Just, just meet her needs. Just give her enough attention. Just, you know, that's what, this was a law in the Old Testament. And the laws in the Old Testament, the Bible calls them types and shadows of things to come. They have some substance, you know. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. There are certain things to pick from there. We can't practice them, you know, completely. But there's something to pick from there. The next need of a woman that a, a, an exceptional man needs to meet is affection. Affection. Women actually derive their, their esteem from an expression of Love and affection. So, so a man, an exceptional man, is the one that can touch the emotional part of a woman. So there should be abundance of, this one is not for singles, yeah? But I need to say it all the same. There should be abundance of touching, hugging, you know, sit close to your wife, you know, using sweet words, and being sensitive to her feelings. Now, as a single man, you need to practice this, not practically like this. No, hear me out. But you need to be that affectionate man. Let me, let me, let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. As much as you can't touch, but you can help to carry load. 
So for a woman to carry two bags and walk past you, and you're a single man, and you're saying good morning, which good morning? You can't collect one. You are not showing that you are preparing to be an exceptional husband. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Because some men are waiting until they can touch, and let me show you, let me show you. You know, no. Those are the things that women look at from afar and know the kind of a man that you are. Because after you have gotten married, the woman will carry buggy, carry the other bag, carry everything and be pushing and you'll be strolling with your newspaper in the right hand. So how far now? <laughs> you say it's very far. This marriage, if this is the way it's going to be. Because of men, and you know the thing? Women respond to these things. Huh. <laughs> Let me tell you my experience. A few years ago, we were on holiday in the U.S. And we were visiting my, my wife's brother, my brother-in-law in North Carolina. Now, this, <laughs> this young man, you know, was born in America and, you know, all those kind of uh, um, American lifestyle that's... Um, a Nigerian boy like me, maybe he's not very, very, you know, so this part of what I was saying. So he would take us out. I'll sit with him in front, my wife sitting at the back, we'll drive, we'll get into the parking lot, he will park and rush down to go and open the door for my wife. I see my wife glowing and smiling. <laughs> After a while, I told myself, this boy will not spoil my ministry <laughs> in this place. So the moment he parks, before he gets down, I've gotten down. I opened the door for my wife. The truth is that it was not normal for me to do that. But I picked something from there when I saw the way my wife was responding to it. And I was like, I'm going to get into trouble. In fact, at the point, it wasn't funny. I just told him, don't worry, I'm here. Don't do it. I'll do it myself. Yeah, don't spoil my ministry. Because we came for holiday, we do want us to fight before we go. Because after a while, what happens is that a woman will be thinking about it and be wondering, is it, is it that my husband does not honor me enough or value me enough? How come is Imagine if it was not a brother. You know what can be very fatal? <laughs> now, brothers, I need you to understand something. Becoming an exceptional husband is not a joke. The guys out there, all the predators out there, who pray over our women, they know how to do all these things very well. But they know what they're looking for. If it's a single woman, it's just to sleep with her. If it's a married woman, they want to scatter your home. Yeah, so they will do anything that is possible. And the women too, they will start then comparing them with us. The mindset of a man who, to be an exceptional husband, you need to want to go the extra mile. Because if you think, now I'm married, all that ones, but when I was chasing you, what is it? Now I'm married, I, I pay house rent, I pay everything. Uh, after all that, I've gone to work since morning, I'll not be opened up for you, for what? <laughs> no, I, as in, that was how I, you know, rationalized all these things. That, you know, we could do that before, but not now. But we're talking about exceptional. Someone say exceptional. Exceptionality then demands that you want to go the extra mile. I just have uh, two more and I'll shut down. Protection stroke security. A woman needs 
has a very, very strong value for protection or security. When I talk about security, I mean emotional, physical, psychological, financial. So men must demonstrate responsibility by standing up to protect a woman, to protect our esteem, to protect our emotionally, protect our physically, protect our psychologically, and protect our financially. An exceptional husband is the one that wants to protect a woman and will not make a woman, you know, emotionally naked or financially naked. That's an exceptional husband. An exceptional husband is the one that may not have everything, but with what he has, is willing to do his best with it. An exceptional husband may not have money at certain times in life, but the exceptional husband will seek to protect the woman emotionally, be there for her, put on the apron, help with children, help with this, you know, get into her business, get into everything, try, strive to make her career easier for her. So that where, wherever there was gap, it won't even show. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, that's an exceptional husband. Knowing that a woman, one of the things that a woman, that can frustrate a woman or make a woman feel very vulnerable if a woman is if a woman cannot sense any sense of security. Yeah. The woman is emotionally unprotected. Psychologically unprotected. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. You talk down a woman in front of your family or friends. You're showing her that she, she doesn't have any psychological or emotional protection. A woman is crying and a man is walking away. And you said, mm, put yourself together. Instead of asking, so what's the problem? So I don't like all this crying in this household. I didn't marry a baby. Oh. That's how some men would talk. Yeah. When a man can look at a woman crying and walk away, that's a woman with a heart of a man with a heart of stone. An exceptional husband will say, I may not have the solution, but I just want you to know that God is in this situation and I will do this tomorrow I will, and God will help us with it. Let's pray. Let's, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Are you still with me today? Lastly, lastly, romance. An exceptional husband is the one that does not give excuse for not being romantic. I wasn't brought up that way. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, you know, all those kind of things. An exceptional husband is the one that understands that romance is very important to a woman and is willing to go the extra mile to be ingenious. Try something. Let them even know you try. You know, and so for some very unromantic men, it starts from where you are dating. They don't have any idea. They don't know anywhere to go. They don't know anything to do. And they're not willing to read. You can Google it. You're used to Google it. If you use iPhone, you have Siri. Siri, where can we go? <laughs> Siri will tell you. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you the truth. 
Do you think I'm kidding? You know, because maybe it's just in the, this part of the world that we don't use some of these technological aids very well. I mean, I was in Paris once with, uh, with uh, another family friend on holiday, and we were stranded. We didn't know. We were supposed to be heading towards a train station. We didn't know where the train station was. Siri helped us. It was that day I knew that this Siri, it's like assistant only goes to. <laughs> As in, my friend just said, maybe we should, we should try Siri. <laughs> and we tried it. We got direction to the train station. We, we, we were sorted. I'm telling you. So, Google is there. Siri is there. Get an idea. Don't say, I don't know where they sell it. I don't know what to do. You know, some men, no effort at all. In my early days in marriage, I, look, I looked how to times online. I don't know if you got what I'm saying. You know, you used to write notes. I mean, to write notes, my head would be completely dry. <laughs> Nothing to write. In fact, there was a time I subscribed for something online. They would send you romantic notes once a day that you can pass to your wife. <laughs> no, I'm telling you the truth. You have to put some effort. Don't say I'm not poetic. Pay for it. Because your wife needs it. Especially if we're talking exceptional husband. Not ordinary husband. Exceptional. Exceptional. You have to look for it. There are things I've sent to my wife before she knew that there's no way this can come from me. <laughs> and she would tell me it's the effort that gladdens my heart. That you can even search for something online. Gladdens my heart. Yeah. I'm telling you the truth. She knows you can't write this, I know. <laughs> but that you can look for it and search for it is okay. I'm telling you, it's okay. You know, I've done many silly things in my life. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not, I mean, I'm not ashamed to talk about myself anytime I preach. I've done many silly things. Anytime you portray to a woman that you're not willing to invest any measure of thought or intelligence into the process, you're messing up the relationship. Let me tell you one of the things I do. Very silly. All right? So, there was a time I was traveling very frequently, you know. I think I was, maybe I was schooling abroad or something that time. I was traveling, you know. So, oh, I passed through London Etro and buy perfume. Do you know there was a time that I traveled, I bought one particular perfume, I was traveling the second time, maybe like a month or a few weeks later. I bought the same perfume. I just got home feeling like, oh, I just I brought you something. And my wife looked at it and just threw it on the bed. I was like, why? He said, is it like you can't even think about it? You bought this three weeks ago. And she brought out the one that she has not even opened. He said, in that old duty-free, You know the truth? That sometimes that you, <laughs> you know, I told you, I said it was very silly because <laughs> I just thought like, I couldn't even be patient enough. It has become routine. Just so that they won't say I didn't buy anything. <laughs> just buy. 
So, a romantic husband does not just buy gift. Thoughtful gift. Thought must be invested. If you are dating right now, and it's popcorn that you can buy, buy a different flavor the next time. I hope you understand what I'm saying. You, tell, you say, babe, I'm coming today with caramel. For well, this one that you come, is salt, salt, salt. Uh, this is. Who wants salt, salt? You didn't, even, you didn't ask. Even if you put it in traffic, you, you should ask, is this sugar or salt? Or We're talking exceptional husband. It requires thoughtfulness. It requires investment of time and intelligence. You must be willing to search out. Even the scripture says, the things that I know not, I search out. Yeah. And resources abound. An exceptional husband is a Romeo in training. Yeah. And for you to be a Romeo in training, you have to first of all accept that it's a responsibility that is worthy of the effort. So if you're listening to me tonight and you're still single, you need to create a vision in your mind to become an exceptional husband. And there's no vision that is easy to fulfill. It requires effort. So I appreciate the fact that you could laugh at my jokes. But becoming an exceptional husband is work. A lot of work. And you have to be able to tell yourself, I'm willing to put my best into it. And it starts now, not then. Now, not then. That's why I said an exceptional husband is a Romeo in training. Yeah. It starts now, not then. How do ladies feel around me when they come around me now? Do they feel like I'm all caked in and, you know, guard my emotions? I don't play with anybody. I don't laugh. I don't, you know, I'm just... Chief, you need to start to loosen up and tell yourself, I want to be a blessing. Yeah, I, I just want to be a blessing. Some people will say, maybe the babes will take advantage of me if I'm too nice. It doesn't matter. You will reap it later. Yeah, it's a seed you sow. When you're nice to a lady, they're just sowing a seed. It doesn't mean you want to date them. Yeah, they're just being nice and you'll reap the fruit. I was nice to many ladies. I mean, people tell me, ah, how did you get a very beautiful lady to marry? It's seed, seed, seed. Yeah, seed, yeah. Because I give my time. Many, you see, you know, this shoulder, you know how many ladies I've cried on this shoulder? Even as a single man. Yeah. When I was in university, I was always around ladies. Counseling, helping. My wife did not go to my school. God was preparing her for me somewhere else. It's not always where you sow that you reap. You can reap somewhere else. Yeah. I hope you understand what I'm saying. So as you help ladies at work, God is preparing a lady for you maybe at Life Point. As you help ladies at Life Point, God is preparing a lady for you at uh, Zenith Bank. That's how it works. <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm saying. Let me go and sit down. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take this. Time. <laughs>